Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports development, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today and use your mobile device to join and use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville. Your first place podcast for your Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Network. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Samuel, I'm glad my key still worked when I got back to Perfect Bill because I've been traveling the southeast. So it's it's going to be good to be back, going to be home, and going to be talking to you about a little bit of Miami Dolphins football. Yeah, switching gears from rugby back to football chris has been traversing the northern hemisphere of the world apparently because of uh, zachary thomas cullen's success and continued just domination on the rugby field which is part of the reason why we haven't been recording the other part is that really there wasn't a lot to talk about there wasn't a whole lot of smoke and mirrors coming up to the nfl draft but the nfl draft has come and gone i was there i came i now left and now we are here we are talking about Miami Dolphins news views and everything else uh let's just get into it Chris uh the Miami Dolphins had four official draft picks they did not trade up they did not trade down not due to lack of trying but just due to lack of options they also had a, a bunch of undrafted free agents which we're going to touch on a few of those throughout this entire uh podcast here but let's start at the very beginning Chris the first pick for the Miami Dolphins was actually on day two in round three, and it came out 102, linebacker Channing Tindall from the University of Georgia Bulldogs, probably the, I don't know, 17th person picked by, from that Georgia team this past year, one of the most outstanding collegiate defenses we've all ever seen, uh, and he was a big part of that. What were your thoughts of Channing Tindall, inside linebacker, joining the Miami Dolphins at pick 102? I liked it a lot. I mean, I liked that Greer didn't panic and trade up into the second round um, based on who was there and who was falling. Um, I, I, it filled a need. We need speed at linebacker and instincts. The guy doesn't have a, a ton of uh, shiny statistics from Georgia, but you just mentioned he's surrounded by literal first-round picks um, that are racing to the football. So, um, you, you know, you take a guy out of that environment, you put him in the NFL, um, and, and he's young and fast, which is everywhere it's going to. Uh, these days offensively as far as covering slot receivers, tight ends that are uh, more athletic. Um, that's what you need. And, and in a defense uh, like ours where you're flying guys around and blitzing them, um, he's got the great size, great uh, acumen, bringing him where he comes from, a Kirby smart. And Georgia defenders have been just notoriously and historically good NFL football players. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, I looked at it as we drafted Tyree Kill in the first, 
Teron Armstead in the second. We got Channing Tindall in the third. Dude, offense, offense, defense, I'll take it. Well, we'll talk about Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead and how this draft played into those signings and why, after the draft, those signings look even better. I have some stats on that that I want to share with you. But getting back to Channing Tindall, uh, a couple things you said. He was, if you want to call it a part-time player at the University of Georgia, surrounded by lots of talent all over that defense, including that linebacking room. But I take a look at that, Chris, and go, this is a good thing. His talent is there. It shows up on tape. He's faster than just about any other linebacker in the actual collegiate ranks. All that speed, sideline to sideline, he can cover linebackers. He he can cover tight ends. He can cover running backs. He can spy quarterbacks that like to be mobile, which has been a weakness for the Miami Dolphins for a very long time. And there's a certain quarterback up in Buffalo that seems to eat our lunch every single time we play him. And if he needs to, he tucks, the, he pulls the ball down and he runs. I think this is going to help mitigate that from Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. You also have a guy who doesn't have a lot of wear and tear, which is something that people go, well, he was a part-time player. Yeah. You know what? He also doesn't have a lot of mileage on those legs, those hips and that body of his. So he has the ability to come in with fresh legs and a fresh body more so than maybe some other players of equal talent. I think that's something that's often overlooked when you look at Channing Tindall and what he's been able to do. And then you mentioned Kirby smart. This is something that he had mentioned about Channing Tindall to Chris Greer. And then Chris Greer actually said it during his, uh, his press conference. Channing Tindall is an ascending player. The arrow is still going up. He's been playing inside linebacker, middle linebacker for a couple of years. Prior to that, he was an edge rusher. The mental capacity to not only switch positions, but switch to a position which is essentially the quarterback of the defense. So you have to recognize the offensive sets. You have to recognize what's happening in terms of uh, people going in motion and, and, and calling out different you know, defensive uh, responsibilities in real time. He is still an ascending player. So this is a guy that I think is going to come in and contribute right away on the Miami Dolphins defense. I think he will be a starter, maybe not week one, but sometime during this season, you will see Channing Tindall as a starting linebacker for the Miami Dolphins. Write that down, ladies and gentlemen. And you're going to see a guy who could possibly contribute on special teams. You're going to see a guy that's going to make the other linebackers around him better, namely Jerome Baker. I'm excited to see Channing Tindall, Jerome Baker playing side by side and putting Jerome Baker on the outside where he excels Channing Tindall on the inside, calling those plays, pointing out those assignments and seeing this Miami Dolphins defense finally get some additions because we've been keeping everybody, but we finally have additions. And this one is a talented one. I'm actually really excited about this pick at one or two. I don't think they could have gotten anybody better than what they did considering who was on the board. Yeah. I think we're going to look back at this draft and see the guys drafted selected and no one's going to go, Oh man, I wish blah, blah, blah. Instead, uh, which we've, we've done before uh, quite a bit, but you get this guy in the third round, Sam, um, you're helping a need. It's nice to be able to draft be a need and not have to trade up, not have to trade back, you know, not to panic, just let the board fall to you. And that's just a testament to how Chris Greer has built this roster. You mentioned something that was an, an interesting, and, and it's good that Kirby Smart said it, um, about him, like, you know, c- calling the coverages and things like that. This guy's an athlete still learning that stuff, and he's not going to have to worry about it. Jerome Baker's going to have that green dot on the helmet. So yeah. he can just go out there and play. And that's where an athlete stands out the most, where he's not overthinking. He's just using a, a, a natural athleticism and what he's learned from one of the being surrounded by some one of the best, I'd say, the best defense in college history. 
um, to be surrounded by those guys watching film and practicing and pushing each other. It's, it's a great pick. I'm, t- I'm totally for it. It's an A for me for, for that pick. Yeah. And if we're giving it a grade, I think especially when you look at who is available and where they picked, it is an A. I mean, I, I've seen some people, including here on the Believe Network, giving the Miami Dolphins grades of C minus. Somebody gave us an F minus. I mean, it's just like, no, because you do have to take into account. And this is what I wanted to point out. Tyreek Hill and Teron Armstead, like you said. Uh, shout out to Travis Wingfield, good friend of the show. Uh, I think he pointed this out on the Drive Time podcast. Pick 29, which is where the Miami Dolphins were slotted to pick before they traded for Tyreek Hill. At that time, Chris, I believe seven wide receivers had already come off the board. Seven. So are you telling me that it's better to have the eighth best, so to speak, wide receiver at pick 29 or Tyreek Hill? <laughs> it, it's Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's not. It's, it's a rhetorical question. Nobody should be thinking about this. And if you are, you're banned from the town of Perfectville. It's Tyreek Hill. So trading away that 29th pick and getting Tyreek Hill and knowing, you know, this is the genius of Chris Greer right now, knowing that there's going to be an early run. People are seeing that wide receivers are first round graded talent. They go hard. It's just like running backs are falling. Wide receivers are ascending in this league in terms of high draft picks. Now, the other part of this, we didn't trade for Toron Armstead. We signed him as a free agent. But if you look at where we were at pick 29, had we not done that, I believe there are already eight offensive linemen, seven or eight offensive linemen off the board. Now, would you rather have the eighth or ninth best offensive lineman, so to speak, or would you rather have Teron Armstead? I think the answer is Teron Armstead. You know, just like Tyreek Hill, don't overthink this. The Miami Dolphins, Chris Greer, the front office, did a remarkable job of basically saying, quote unquote, fuck them picks. We can get better talent by trading those away as something else and getting Tyreek Hill, Teron Armstead, and then we will just let the draft board play out. I knew they were going defense. I assumed they were going inside linebacker with that first pick. I was right. I had the wrong guy picked, but I at least knew the position. It seemed to make sense to me, and it makes all the sense in the world after the fact, Chris, that they got Channing Tindall at 102. I think it was a masterful day one and day two by Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins simply because of the trades, the free agent signings, and the one lone pick they had in the first three rounds. Yeah, that's the fifth overall pick. Maybe we question it a little bit. But Sam, how many, I, I, I challenge Race, for example, since I haven't said the name in weeks, um, and he's been probably just itching himself like a meth head to do something. So I'm going to put that nerd to work. Why don't you go look at back in the last, I don't know, let's say 20 years of the 29th overall draft pick and see how many of them have like a great success. I'm sure there's been more than like a top five pick uh, failures in the league. So instead we go out and we get absolute proven commodities in Tyreek Hill in Armstead. And that's something a team that is like us coming off of nine wins uh, and being that close to the playoffs two years in a row. That's where you start doing those things where you can get rid of some picks, get proven commodities, add them to the roster and go out there and win two, three, four more games. And that's where, where we're at. And, and I'll take it any day of the week. It was basically a second round pick, Sam. So uh, you, you rattling off the receivers being gone already and the linemen being gone. There's literally cut and dry, again, banned from Perfectville, if you disagree with us. Um, it's a fucking home run. It's a home run. Yeah. No, it absolutely was. And, you know, middle linebacker was a position of need. I think we needed depth there. We needed somebody who could potentially be, you know, a solid starter. Channing Tindall checks all those boxes. So, yeah, BPA and position of need. I think both of those things, they hit a home run with 102. And, again, if you're grading and you're giving, you know, the fact that they got rid of their first round and second round draft pick and they got Tyreek Hill and Toronto Armstead. I mean, just the offseason as a whole has got to be an A, you know, but this pick 
by itself in a vacuum is an A for a third round, late third round pick for the Miami Dolphins. Um, plus, well, let's keep it welcome to perfect ish by ending the segment on this note. I, we have to lead the team in Channings that played linebacker for an NFL franchise. I mean, there's just no one else. So, bravo, Chris Greer. We're breaking records for stealing stealing uh, kisses and uh, taking babies and names. And it's been a while, Sam. I, I'm yeah, rusty on the mic. We're a little rusty, but uh, you know, look, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll knock the rust off here. We're going to continue to talk about the Miami Dolphins draft here. Let's move on to day three, a personal favorite of mine. Day three, I'm going to talk all about my personal experience at the NFL draft after we get through these draft picks. That'll be segment number two. But let's just get into the next next draft pick here because Channing Tindall made a lot of sense to me. The next pick uh, in the fourth round made maybe not as much sense, but it made me go, huh. In a way, this does make sense. And of course, I'm talking about the Red Raider, Texas Tech's Eric Azukanma, uh, which is about as close as I'm going to get. I mean, I figured out Igbenagane, but Azukanma, Azukanmi, I don't know. It's going to take me a little bit of time. But if this guy does what he s- looks like he can do on tape, we're all going to learn his name soon enough. I'm just, I have a head in my hands right now, Sam. I, can we, it, was there not a Tim Smith available? Like it's just every single time, like even Tyndall is not like the easiest in the world. I give it a five as far as 10 being the hardest, but here we go. Noah Ganabene. That has taken me since we drafted him to get that correct, by the way. And that's all I worked on while I drove five hours to Nashville, Tennessee was just pronouncing Noah Ganabene. And I finally am kind of getting it down. I nailed to a tongue of Iloa. And now here we are with, Eric Ezukanama, like I, I can't with the syllable, Sam, uh, but name aside, because we have to get at least that part out of the way. Uh, we're going to call him Easy E, right? Eric E, like we have to. It's, it's Easy Eric E. Uh, it, dude, this this screams Devontae Parker replacement. Does it like not? I, the- you know, we have not talked about this, but uh, that was the very first mental note I made when I looked at his size and the college he went to and what he's good at. I'm like, oh, this is Devontae Parker 2.0. Yeah, and we needed that. I mean, like, yeah, Preston Williams, like, kind of re-signed a low-key one-year deal, but we got the speed with with Waddle and the route running of Terry Kill and, and, and him as well. Uh, we need that stretch guy that you can kind of throw it up to. He's a captain. Uh, took a lot of screens. A lot of the highlights I saw of this guy, there's a lot of quick passes, screens, and go. Um, a lot like how Mike McDaniel threw the ball to Debo Samuel in the right. 49ers. Not saying he's Debo Samuel, of course, fourth-round pick, but that's the type of player you're getting and now, now at this point, Sam, at this point, and I love this too, because I think you'll agree with this. The Miami Dolphins normally in this situation draft like an Iowa random guard or like some lame tight end. Like they're like, fuck it, dude. We'll get linemen in the undrafted free agency and bring in free agents and, and coach up our guys. Let's go get a receiver. Like we lost Matt Collins, who's going to be a bigger loss than people realize. Devontae Parker is traded to an in, in rival team. You go get a young guy. I don't know his injury history, but it can't be any worse than Devontae Parker's. He's a captain and does a lot of the same things in the fourth round. It's like a embarrassment of riches at this point, Sam, where we get BPA and I love it. Yeah. So, I, you know, this pick I think came about because I do believe the Miami Dolphins were targeting a running back. Um, and, you know, there were a couple of running backs that were taken off the uh, board almost right before the Miami Dolphins picked. And in, in fact, Chris Greer went out of his way to say that, uh, Somebody was picked, some running back was picked, and Mike McDaniel fell out of his chair when it happened. Mike McDaniel says, no, I don't think that's what happened. But the point is, 
Chris Greer has already come out and said, look, we were trying to, we were targeting running backs. We wanted to get somebody in the running game. It just didn't work out. It seems to be a snake bit position for the Miami Dolphins in the draft. I mean, we did address it, I think, with Ryan Most or with Raheem Mostert and uh, Chase Edmonds, but they wanted another running back. <clears throat> didn't happen in terms of the draft proper. So they went to probably their next best offensive weapon on the board, which is this guy from Texas Tech. He's what, 6'3? He runs like a four five eight. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but pretty darn fast. And what he does better than most in this wide receiver draft is he catches the ball uh, contested. He uses his body to box people out. He can high point the ball, meaning he jumps and grabs that ball at the highest point possible. And to me, uh, somebody who can get yards after the catch and can be used as you know somewhat of a Debo Samuel-esque running wide receiver I look at this guy as a red zone threat. I think that's how the Miami Dolphins are going to deploy him early. I mean, he's certainly not going to start over Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill. I don't even think over Cedric Wilson. He is a fourth round pick. He is not the perfect wide receiver by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a guy, Chris, that I think if we get down into the red zone and it's you know second and goal or third and goal from like the seven, this is a dangerous, dangerous weapon to put out there with Mike Gesicki and some other people that can go out there and body a defensive back or even a smaller linebacker and just wrestle that ball away and land in the end zone. And I really do think between that and also maybe putting him in motion and giving one of those little pop passes where, you know, two is in the in the in the shotgun. He grabs the ball and then just tosses it to him running a jet sweep right in front of him and getting into the end zone that way. I think that's how I see them in, you know, using Eric Nkunzumbindimbalbable out of Texas Tech. And besides, you also have Wes Welker, Texas Tech Red Raider, Red Raider himself, wide receivers coach. This is a guy who's going to want this particular guy to succeed. You know this is going to be a pet project for Wes Welker. I'm excited about this pick. This wasn't who I would have originally pegged. I would have pegged a lineman or a running back at this position. But based on what I'm seeing, based on what I know, and based on how Mike McDaniel is creative with his offense. I'm excited about this player. If I had to give it a grade, I'm going to go with a solid B. Um, I do think there were some other people there that could have fit, at least in my mind, better at this position. And the fact that they were targeting a running back and didn't get it makes me have to drop this down a little bit. But I'm not going to say C- minus or D or anything like this. Yes, he's probably going to be the fourth wide receiver. Yes, we have a logjam in the wide receiver room. But I think this kid makes the team. I think he plays special teams. I think he's a red zone threat early in his career. And if he can come down with touchdowns and nothing else, that's a home run for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, especially in the fourth round. I mean, like, just be able to go best player available. I know running backs, something you want there, but the running backs are a dime a dozen, especially when it comes to Mike McDaniel's offense. I mean, look what he did with uh, after the injuries to Mostert and, and the other guys there. I mean, he, he's done it with Matt Breida. He's done it with Mostert. He did it with Debo Samuel. So if you can't get a running back, you're not going to reach for one, which I'm glad they didn't. Um, they, they, they sat there and just took a guy. What's better than – what's the next best thing next to a handoff or a sweep? a quick jet screen to a receiver that can then behind the line of scrimmage make yak. So uh, totally for a fourth round pick uh, other than his name, very happy with it. Well, speaking of names, the Miami Dolphins were back on the clock in the seventh round. Uh, and actually with pick 224, they choose local guy for me here in Northern California, outside linebacker Cameron Good. So finally, we get a name that I think we can actually possibly pronounce here chris well, although they probably pronounce good day well there's actually an e at the end of good which is kind of yeah. fucked up but you know we'll just say cameron good um you know the last time we had a guy who was either a, a low draft pick or an undrafted free agent or somebody that we signed from canada who was an edge rusher who was fast named cameron it seemed to work out for the miami dolphins uh cameron good what he does good 
is that he is very fast, Chris, off the line. He can he actually has a really good uh, ability to knock offensive lineman's hands off of him and get to the quarterback. He's one of the more prolific pass rushing specialists in the Pac-12, which is a very pass-heavy league. Uh, if, you, if you look at that conference, there's a lot of passing, not a lot of running. He had a lot of opportunities to hit the quarterback in the Pac-12, and he succeeded at that. Um, he is a seventh-round draft pick. He is somewhat of a project. I think this is going to be a situational pass rusher if he makes this team. I do think he'll make this team because you could never have enough good pass rushers. It's kind of like relief pitchers in baseball. I do think this guy will make the team. I kind of thought this is again where we might go with a running back or or take a flyer on an offensive lineman that has you know a few of them dropped down. Um, so I'm going to give this a B minus slash C plus. He's he's a one trick pony right now. I don't think this guy is going to set the world on fire. He's a guy that if it's an obvious third down passing situation, he probably sees the field. Otherwise, he's going to have to show out on special teams or he might be a practice squatter as a seventh rounder. But I do like the pick. I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, Cameron Good. I love the name. And I'm hoping he's good for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, um, you mentioned it. Uh, we're both baseball guys. It's like that left-handed reliever that comes in to get two lefties out and he's done for the day. Like, if you can set him out there when, uh, you know, Phillips and uh, Agba are, are, are winded in a September Miami game and, you, and he's fresh legs and you can get a couple of pass rushes and, and pressures and or sacks, of course, uh, you do it. Uh, and that's just uh, – in the seventh round, that's all you can ask for is a guy that could possibly change a game, even if it's in just limited opportunities. So I'm totally good with it as well, Sam. Uh, moving on to your favorite pick of the draft, I bet. Skylar Thompson, quarterback, Kansas State. Miami Dolphins going to be 25 next month, Chris. He is, uh, he was a, an actual college quarterback for, I believe, 18 years, uh, or Kansas State. Did I say, Can I said Kansas State. Yeah. Um, you know, this was a pick that if I had to give it a grade uh, on the surface, I'm giving this a D. I don't understand this pick. Um, I, I hate this pick for another reason, which I'll get into on my own personal experiences at the NFL draft. Um, I don't know where he fits for the Miami Dolphins. He's 25 years old, so he's got, you know, he's a little bit more mature than your average senior coming out. Um, an athletic guy, he can throw the ball. It seems like a project. I mean, there is this, there's this kind of mentality or, or thought process that you should be drafting a quarterback every year, right? We've heard that. You and I have talked about it. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't think this guy is in any way a danger or threat to Tua Tungavailoa or Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I have a hard time believing we're going to keep three quarterbacks on the active roster. That's just not the way things go in the NFL anymore. So at best, he's a practice squatter. Um, so I don't know why he was chosen other than he was their best player available based on a score. And they said, sure, go get him." Um, I feel like we could have used this pick elsewhere on a different position of maybe need, especially in the seventh round. But, you know, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I don't really know a lot about him. Quite honestly, he seems like somebody that's just going to help our defense scout, you know, opposing quarterbacks. Sam, I like the pick because I'm going to tell you right now, we got three preseason games and in most of those games, you don't want a Tua Tungabailoa or a Teddy Bridgewater, both with injury histories, playing deep into the fourth quarter of a meaningless playing against UPS driver defense defenders. So this guy comes in here, he can learn a camp, maybe latch on somewhere afterwards. But yeah, we're rolling with two QBs. I'd be very surprised if he's a third. Definitely would rather have gone for a position of need, but honestly, um, seventh round, man. I mean, how often do those hit? So 
I, I don't mind it at all. I, I see what they're doing um, and, and it makes sense to me. And his name's Skyler. So um, it's my worst, least favorite character in Breaking Bad. Sure. Uh, so I hate the guy, honestly. Good name, though. Shout out to Better Call Saul. Back for the final season. Uh, all right. So those are the four draft picks. Overall grade, just grading the draft picks, not the overall offseason, Chris. But we had four of them there. We had an inside linebacker, a wide receiver, uh, an edge rusher, and a quarterback named Skyler. What do you give the Miami Dolphins for their draft grade? Chris Cullen, grading the draft, A, B, C, D, E, F, L, M, N, O, P. What do the Dolphins get from the good doctor? Um, I'll do a B minus, um, you know, I, I, or maybe, maybe just a B, a solid B, because I am going to round up and include the draft uh, with Tyree Kill and Armstead. Um, and, and in that case, it's probably an A, but like the actual draft picks himself, I like Tyndall. Um, I, I, I like the receiver. Um, like you said, I don't know how much he's going to actually impact our team. Um, and sometimes, you, it, hopefully he does, because you want a fourth round pick to hit and be, and be that guy. Um, especially when you could have possibly went lineman there or another linebacker to challenge the room. Um, and then, yeah, with the pass rush on the quarterback, B minus is fine. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I think when it comes to the actual draft, I'm going to go B minus, low B minus, high C plus with those four picks. I just didn't understand the late round picks themselves. But uh, if you look at the overall offseason, it's an A. It's a solid A for the Miami Dolphins. And when you add in the undrafted free agents, which we are just about to talk about here, Chris, um, I would pull that grade up to probably a high B minus, low solid B, because I think they did a very good job in the undrafted free agency. Um, and, and I'm not alone. I mean, just about every pundit is looking at this going, wow, the Miami Dolphins pulled off you know, a minor miracle, having very little draft capital in this draft being able to sign people that were not drafted. There were some surprises here, including the snowman, Javon Holland's old roommate at the University of Oregon. This is a guy that I thought was going to go in the third or fourth round. Every mock draft had this kid getting drafted. Uh, Verone McKinley, the third out of Oregon, knows Javon Holland very well. Very talented player. Gets interceptions just about like every time they threw the ball at him. Somehow does not get drafted. Instead, he signs with the Miami Dolphins as an undrafted free agent. I think Verone McKinley III, I'm not going to say he's a lock to make this team because we have a very talented defensive backfield, but if there's ever uh, good money or safe money to bet on a UDFA making this team, I think Verone McKinley III is exactly that. Yeah, I was stoked when we signed him. I was driving back from Richmond, Virginia, I believe, and got the uh, notification from our buddy Jason Jennings, uh, letting me know we signed him. I, I, all the mocks had him in as a mid-round pick. So uh, I, you'd like to think that um, Holland had something to do with him signing with us, letting him know the uh, the culture. And obviously it's Miami uh, as opposed to Oregon. Uh, so, yeah, it's a great signing. My favorite, Sam, if we're getting into this, is uh, Zaquandre White. You were talking correct? about the running back, Zaquandre White, out of South Carolina. Yes. Yeah, so why he, is he your favorite? So, um, well, other than, you know, the Oregon guy, um, he's my favorite because I've seen a lot of it here. Zach watched a lot of Clemson games. So, uh, and South Carolina's on a lot, you know, SEC guys, more of a rotational back for them. I think he's a perfect third round, third back for us. Um, bigger size, a little bit bigger. I think six, one, six foot two Oh six, something like that. A lot of good burst. Um, I, I think he's just a really good signing. And plus I really base it on, uh, the reactions, that uh, other fans and like college fans 
comment on. And when I looked at the thread uh, from his agent or somebody that were signing him, the uh, overwhelming comments were like, oh, you're going to ball out in the NFL. Like, great job. Congratulations. Like, you're really going to – they got a steal there. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Maybe uh, makes an Ahmed or a uh, Gaskin um, uh, cuttable. If he if he were to make it, but I can also see him see him being the uh, the uh, practice squad guy like the Cincinnati running back from last year too. So yeah, Jared Dokes. But you know, here's the thing. I mean, Miles Gaskin has got one more year on his contract. He will not be a Miami Dolphin after this season if he even sticks this season. That's just my bold prediction right there. So yeah, you do need to fill the at the you know the back end of this. Raheem Mostert only has a one year contract. Chase Edmonds is a two year contract. So while we have players in that running back room that we signed and we did, you know, actually pay attention to this off season. You have guys that are here short term. You need long term fixes there. You also have people that have an injury history in both Raheem Mostert, actually in all three, Miles Gaskin and Chase Edmonds. So, you know, having somebody there that you get as an undrafted free agent that people thought would go in the fourth or fifth round in some cases, I think is a, is a very shrewd signing for free agency. He's probably my second. There's a couple of others here, Chris, that I do think we need to talk about uh, a couple of offensive linemen. They didn't go offensive linemen in the draft, but they went heavy on offensive linemen after the draft in the free agency market. Minnesota offensive lineman Blaze Andrews is a guy who got a lot of run when he signed with the Miami Dolphins and a guy that I'm interested in, Kellen Dishk out of Arizona State, uh, one of the best linemen in the Pac-12, 4'8", 40 at 6'7", 300 pounds. Now, we talk about having speed all over the field and what the NFL game is now with, with, with regards to spread offenses and having more sideline to sideline, kind of like the college game. This guy fits in perfectly, I think, with what the Miami Dolphins are looking to do on the offensive line. Would not surprise me at all if Kellen becomes a significant role player, if not starter for the Miami Dolphins long-term on that offensive line. I think he's that guy. Yeah, one of my favorite players in the NFL is a big, mean offensive lineman with a fucking chip on their shoulder. So you bring these guys in, especially one of the best in their absolute conference, not even drafted. Oh, man, that's just like motivation to come in with a a team that needs it, with a line that is holes everywhere uh, to to get – taught up like our coaches like to talk about they're, they're, they're teachers um we got apple bomb over you know from boston college and i i just i love it i i love bringing in those guys i was a little bit upset we didn't go draft with them but with the talent that we got after the draft was over super surprising first of all and second of all glad we we went that route yeah yeah um and then just a couple of other things here i mean we we got ty clary who is a center out of uh, arkansas so uh brett tesler who we all know and love here in miami is his uh, agent there. So Ty Clary, you know, whether he makes the team or not, not sure. Wide receiver Braylon Sanders out of Ole Miss was signed. Uh, defensive back Elijah Hamilton out of Louisiana Tech was signed. Defensive tackle Jordan Williams out of Virginia Tech. I think this is a guy who actually could make this team as well. He is signing with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, DeAndre Johnson out of the U, University of Miami, and former Tennessee defensive end. He's signing. With the Miami Dolphins, you have wide receiver Tanner Connor, who I hate that name. It sounds like two last names smushed together uh, out of Idaho State. I don't think he's making this team. We're pretty stacked the wide receiver position, but he signed. Defensive line Ben Stilley out of Nebraska was signed. And then edge Owen Carney out of Illinois. So a lot of defensive line help being signed as undrafted free agents. Always looking for a diamond in the rough, a gem out there. I've said this before. You've said this before. The Miami Dolphins always seem every single year to find 
some sort of defensive tackle, defensive end that nobody else has ever heard of or thought about and turn them into a solid pro. I don't think this is going to be any different. If I had to put money on any of them, I'm going to go with the kid from Virginia Tech, Jordan Williams, as a defensive tackle. I think he's going to fit really well with this uh, defensive line. And then uh, Cater Kahu at a Texas A&M Commerce. Don't really give a shit about him. And then maybe my favorite, a punter, Chris, Tommy Heatherly, FIU, big fat guy, lost a bunch of weight, is now punting, maybe, for the Miami Dolphins. He will have some competition from the punter that we, what is it, uh, Taylor Morstead or whoever the fuck his name is that we got from the uh, New Orleans Saints. So there is your undrafted free agency list. We talked about my favorite out of Oregon, your favorite out of South Carolina. Any of those other names you excited about, Chris? Nope. (laughs) Me either. Uh, You know what I am excited about? Taking a quick break, paying some bills, and then coming back, and we're going to shift focus. We're still going to talk about the draft, ladies and gentlemen. Still going to talk about the Miami Dolphins, but I'm going to give you the skinny. I'm going to give you the lowdown. I talked to some big people, big, big people, in the NFL while I was at the draft. I had some really great experiences. I even talked to a certain wide receiver that's been rumored to be traded from the San Francisco 49ers to some other teams, including the Miami Dolphins. I'll talk about my conversation with Debo Samuel, my conversation with Charles Woodson, my conversation with Fred Warner, my conversation with Jonathan Bean, and my experience in general at the NFL draft right after these words. Citizens of Perfectville everywhere, listen up. This is Sam Marcoux from the Perfectville podcast. And this episode is brought to you in part by Auto Approve. Now, what is Auto Approve, you may ask? I'm so glad you would ask that. Auto Approve is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. And who doesn't want easier and faster in today's environment? Am I right? AutoProof connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates. Then helps handle the paperwork, simplifying the vehicle refinance process from beginning to end and putting more money back in your pocket. Take your tailgate to the next level with more money in your pocket. More money means better seats for all you doll fans out there. More money means another round with the boys. That's right. Hit the bar, drink some suds, then have another one with your buds. Make more money for game night with friends. More money for that new jersey. That's right. We've got Tyreek Hill. We've got Jalen Waddle. We've got Tua Tungabailoa. You guys need that money, that extra money. And what would you do with that money? I tell you what I'm doing. I am going to buy that jersey. I'm going to the Miami Dolphins games, and I'm spending some money at the casinos, betting that those Miami Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl. It's 55 to 1 odds, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what Auto Approved can do for you. More money back in your wallet. Not only will they save you thousands on your auto loan, but for all the listeners that are out there, refinance through Auto Approved, and they will send you $100 cash in your mailbox. That's right, 100 big ones. Mr. Benjamin, straight to your mailbox. And why are they doing this? Because they're solving problems, ladies and gentlemen. They're finding solutions to problems in your life. Most people are paying too much on their vehicle loan. In 2021, auto-approved customers saved on average $164 a month. Now, I'm no mathematician, ladies and gentlemen, but over 12 months, which is one year, that's thousands of dollars in savings that auto-approved is doing for you. They never mark up rates. The rate that the lender offers is the rate we pass on to you. What a service, ladies and gentlemen. With auto approval, vehicle owners can lower their monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. Who wouldn't want both? That's having your cake and eating it too. To find out how much you can save and to claim your $100 cash back offer, visit autoapprove.com slash believe. That's autoapprove.com slash believe. And we're back. Chris Cullen, Sam Marcoux, welcome to Perfectville Believe Network. 
Talking about the NFL draft, Chris, I just came back from the NFL draft Saturday night. I stayed all the way through Mr. Irrelevant and then ran my ass all the way to the airport because I almost became irrelevant with my plane, almost missed my plane, made it home. Um, what a wonderful experience. I was there for a bachelor party. My soon-to-be brother-in-law is a big 49ers fan, big sports guy, probably more than you and I, which is hard to believe, but he just really is. He just knows sports. He knows stats. He was running around getting autographs. I've got a funny story about Charles Woodson and uh, Nick, who uh, actually sometimes produces our live stream when we do that from time to time here on Perfectville. But uh, let's start at the beginning here, Chris. <clears throat> so I don't know what made the broadcast day one, but I can tell you, First of all, the draft should never be held anywhere but Las Vegas. It is the perfect event. In fact, everything that ever happens in terms of a convention should just be held at Vegas. It makes no sense to have anything everywhere else. Cleveland, no. Kansas City, no. Los Angeles, absolutely not. Las Vegas. Because as soon as you're done with whatever it is you're there for, you turn around and it's just a freaking adult playground. You can do anything and everything you could possibly want. You can eat. You can drink. You can gamble. You can go to a show. You can go to your room. You can go swimming. Anything you want to do. You can get it done in Vegas. It's the perfect environment for the NFL draft. Hats off to the NFL and the great city of Las Vegas for hosting this event. Number one. Number two, the NFL's fan access has gotten so much better than what it ever was, even at the Super Bowl or on game day. They've gotten it figured out. It is just such a wonderful experience as a fan. So kudos again to the NFL for that. But day one, Chris. So this event is being held behind the Flamingo Hotel and what they call the link. And this is massive area. And you have this big tent, which is where the people are coming out on stage. And it's hot. It's like 90 something degrees. It's Las Vegas. So day one, standing room only. I'm outside the tent. And it's going on five o'clock. People are drunk. People are sunburnt. People are drunk burnt. And they're just wanting this to go. They want it to start. They want to boo Roger Goodell. They want to make fun of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they want to laugh at the Detroit Lions, who were probably going to fuck up a pick. They didn't. So about 450. All the coverage is happening all day on the NFL Network, ESPN, all that. But for the live crowd, Chris, they bring out a magician named Matt Franco. And now Matt Franco is the resident magician at the Link Hotel, which is happening right, you know, right, right behind where the NFL draft is happening. This is a, a lesson about knowing your audience, because for all the praise I just gave the NFL, they absolutely shit the bed right through their dick hole with Matt fucking Franco magician trying to wow NFL fans who want nothing more to do with fucking anything other than football. This guy gets on stage and you could tell Chris, they gave him 10 minutes. They said, you got to do 10 minutes. We're going to promote the shit out of your, your live show. You got to go out there and do 10 minutes. This fucking asshole is out there making eggs disappear and like making wine bottles turned up. I'm like, these guys are taking shots of vodka 20 feet away from you. You think they care about wine bottles, Matt Franco? Seven minutes straight, people are booing the shit out of this guy, Chris. They're just telling him, make yourself disappear. Go jump off a bridge and never come. I mean, the most vile shit. Like, I was just sitting next to Jet fans like, Jesus Christ, these are angry men. And they're so mad at Matt Franco right now. Personal, like, achieving victory. I felt so bad. I'm a performer, as you know. I do stand-up comedy. I host events. About seven minutes into this guy's act, it finally dies down. People just became fatigued at hating this guy. So there's like this weird, awkward silence as they're just waiting for this stupid trick to end. And I took that opportunity to strike Chris and it was quiet. And I didn't realize it was going to boom out the way it did, but I just go, fuck you, Matt Franco. And the entire place, 150,000 fans erupt. Matt Franco hears it, looks at his watch and goes, I'm almost done. And I was just like, I feel bad, but at the same time, crowning achievement of my life. <laughs> fuck you matt franco oh man 
Yeah. Like, he has to have social media somewhere. We have to see if he <laughs> shouted you out or something. Because, dude, that's the worst. The, the absolute worst when you know you're bombing. Yeah. When uh, no one's laughing, no one's caring. And you there's something else that somebody wants. It's like the pre-show at Disneyland. No one gives a fuck especially after you've ridden that ride multiple times yeah like i can't stand the dinosaur ride at animal kingdom in orlando because it's just this guy with a fucking puppet telling us how he's sending us this you know time travel to save a dinosaur can i go ride the roller coaster like i honestly don't give two flying shits and it's actually one of the reasons i've never been on the fast and the furious ride at universal studios because it's like this whole thing with vin diesel and like screens and they're talking about family and we're family and we got to stick together family and i'm just like no <laughs> like that ride isn't even just let me ride the ride time. yeah and that's exactly what the vibe was here it was like just get the fucking pick picked you know let's get people were so mad at matt franco that when they said roger goodell was getting ready to come out they actually cheered and then they booed because it's Roger Goodell. But uh, that was the highlight of day one for me. Other than finding the Fitzpatrick's, I put that picture on my Twitter and then it got picked up on ESPN and NFL Network and everything else. But these guys, a bunch of dudes out of Salt Lake City, all invested in Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys from all the different teams that he's played for. And they walked around this place and they were the bell of the ball. I mean, what a fantastic, you know, creative way. Uh, to get your name out there. But uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick's, you guys can see it on the Perfectville Twitter or just anywhere. Just type in Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys. You, sh- you should be able to find it. Uh, but that was really the highlight of day one for me. Fuck you, Matt Franco. Um, other than the other thing I did, Chris, is that I was jumping from fan base to fan base because the Miami Dolphins did not have a draft pick. So I would go to Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Who do you want to draft? And they would tell me and I would just be a Jaguars fan for five minutes and root for it. And then when they got the guy, I would say, yay. And if they didn't get it, I'd say, oh, boo. And then I'd go to the Lions and then I'd go to the Giants. And then I went to the Jets. That's right. I was wearing Miami Dolphins gear and I went and I found a Jets guy. Shout out to Jonathan. I don't know his last name. I don't give a fuck. But this guy was pretty funny. And he was telling me he wanted Sauce Gardner. We need Sauce Gardner. He's the one that's going to cover Jalen Waddle. He's the one that's going to cover Tyreek Hill. He is the answer. Well, they got Sauce Gardner. He was excited. And then I had to point out to him, Chris, and I put it on Twitter as well for the rest of the people. I had to turn to Jonathan and go, this guy's getting lost going to the stage. And this is your answer for Tyreek Hill. Got it. And he just deflated that jet fan crashed right into the mountain. And he was like, oh, my God, you're right. We fucked up again. So congratulations, Jets fan. Sauce Gardner can't figure out how to get on stage. Can't figure out how to cover Tyreek Hill. It's going to be yet another fun season for the Miami Dolphins against the New York Jets. See, like when you said you're still going and you had everything packed and stuff, and I'm like, dude, what a waste. Like, the, we watch, you know, we're drafting Boise State, like D linemen and stuff. Like, that's going to be terrible. But you, you, you made it fun. You're, you're a creative guy. You got some sunburn. You went that, uh, you, you heckled a fucking magician. And then uh, you going around to the fan bases. That's, that's genius. They probably loved it too. The fact that you came in like Olive Branch, we don't have a pick. So I just want to have some fun. Yep. Uh, it sounds like a good time, especially like the two Lions fans you got to hang out with. That's cool. Yeah, and you know, I they, they have all kinds of people going around. They have the two lion. There's actually, I just yeah, I just agree with that. There was four technically, but yeah. Um, uh, Fred Warner, linebacker for the 49ers. Of course, I'm in my Dolphins gear. There's all these Niner fans getting his autograph, and I go, "Hey, is Debo coming to the Dolphins?" He just kind of looked at me like, "Do you have something to sign?" I'm like, "Not really." He goes, "You just wait in this line for 45 minutes to ask me that question." I go, "Yeah, that's exactly why I'm in line." So I had him sign a dollar bill because I had nothing else to do. And then um, I, I met Charles Woodson. I drove out to Henderson with my brother-in-law Nick, and he's a big autograph guy. He actually, you know, buys and sells autographs, and and that's part of what he does in terms of a side hustle. And Charles Woodson was at a liquor store in Henderson, Nevada. And we're like, we're really driving out to Henderson, Nevada to do this. Charles Woodson would only sign his bottles of wine. 
and his bottles of whiskey, which I believe are called fumble and intercept. Um, my brother-in-law, Nick is such a psychopath for, for autographs and, and this business. He ended up buying 16 bottles of wine and four bottles of whiskey. Plus Chris, the hall of fame case of whiskey, which was like $200 for Charles Woodson to sign. So we're in line. We meet Charles Woodson and he goes, I need you to sign this. And Charles is like, sure, no problem. And then Nick pulls out 20 fucking bottles of booze. And Charles is like, all of this. He's like, yeah. And he's like, Jesus Christ. And he goes, this is the only thing you're going to sign, right? He goes, yeah. And he goes, well, then you're going to fucking sign every single one of these bottles. So Charles Woodson's sitting there getting writer's cramp, signing his name over and over and over again, all these bottles. And then we walk out of there and we took an Uber. It's like 30 minutes from where we're staying. It's like, how are we going to get this booze back to the room? So we had to get an Uber Excel and spend like $60 on an Uber ride so that we could have enough room to put all this booze in the car. And then we had to bring it up to the room. And then we had the realization, Chris, this is now day two of the draft. We're getting ready to go down to the draft. We're like, how are we going to ship this? home because you can't just walk onto an airplane with fucking booze right so nick's like well i'm gonna go to the fedex store we'll figure it out we could not find anybody in las vegas that actually ships wine so we end up getting these boxes we put everything in you know all these bottles in the wine i'll get to the end of that story on day three when we left to come home but day two was fine that's when we picked uh you know the the young man channing tyndall day day three chris day three we're exhausted we're tired we were hungover. all of the things that happened when you're in vegas for three and a half days we decide we're not going to go to the draft day three. We're just going to yeah. hang out. And then we turn on the TV. It starts at nine in the morning in Las Vegas time. And we realize that where we were standing, standing room only, it's completely empty. There's no one there because it's day three of the draft. Nobody wants to be there at nine in the morning. Everyone's hung over. It's Saturday morning. Everyone partied Friday night. So I'm like, no, we should go. So not only do we go, we walk into the main tent and we're still in standing room only. But now we, at least we have some coverage in terms of sunlight and all that. Next thing you know, we look over and we see that they're pulling some fans in. And I go, Nick, what's that? And he goes, well, I'll go find out. He calls me three minutes later. He goes, come to the right of the stage. They had a small little group where they gave us what they call the inner circle. Shout out to Chris Jericho. And they gave us this bracelet. It's the inner circle. They walk us into the main area of the draft, the floor, where they, you, know, you see all the, the, the crazy fans and everything. So we're sitting there. And we're sitting kind of, kind of far back. I mean, not that far. It's like 50 feet from the stage. And we're seeing that like some people are starting to get up and move and walk around and they're not coming back. So I ask somebody and I go, Hey, what about those empty seats up there? And they go, well, just why don't you just go fill them yourself? Cause they, it's a TV production, right? They don't want empty seats on TV. So Nick and I, the other guys from the bachelor party had already left. We make our way all the way to the third row from the stage. And that's where we watched rounds four through seven. Now around round seven, I noticed the producer that's running this whole thing and he's walking up and he's actually pulling fans out of the stands. And I think he's kicking them out and I don't know why, but I'm like, Oh, maybe they catch it. I'm tweeting the picks because the TV production is well behind what's happening live. Right? Like, I mean, Miami Dolphins would take a pick and it would be like 25 minutes before it's announced on stage for the TV audience. Then come to find out, no, he's pulling these people out of the audience and they're getting to call picks on stage. So about 20 minutes after he's pulling these people out, you're seeing him filter on stage for the seventh round. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm looking around. There's not a lot of Dolphins fans. And I'm thinking, huh? So I go to the producer. I work my way up to him and I go, hey man, I know you're picking people out of the audience to go call pe- calls people out on stage. My brother there, Nick, he's a huge Niner fan. This is a bachelor party. I would love it if you could somehow get him on stage to call a Niners pick. I think that would be an amazing experience. Of course, I'm wearing all my Dolphin stuff, right? So the guy looks at me and goes, well, 
the, the, the Niners only have Mr. Irrelevant left. And we already have a plan for that. So if the Niners trade back into the seventh round, which nobody fucking does that, we'll go find your brother and we'll bring him on stage. I'm like, cool, fair enough, right? I mean, we're already playing with house money, Chris. How cool is it? We're three, we're three rows from the stage. At yeah. this point, I've been drinking. I'm like, I got to go take a leap. So I go take a piss. I'm gone. There's a line, all that. I come back. It's been like 15 minutes. Same producer, frantic, runs up to me. He's like, where were you? I go, I took a piss. <laughs> I'm allowed to take a piss. This is America. Right. Fuck you, Matt Franco. And uh, <laughs> next thing I know, he goes, dude, the, we needed a Dolphins fan. And I go, for what? He goes, to, to make the pick, to go up and, and make the pick. And I look and I shit you not, Chris, there was one other Dolphins fan sitting in the front row. His seat is empty. And I'm like, did you get that old man in the front row? And he goes, we had no other choice. He goes, I was oh, looking no. for you. So that guy, the guy they chose is the guy, I don't know if they put it on the broadcast or not, who actually announced the Skylar Thompson quarterback pick. It was supposed to be me, Chris. It is the most Miami Dolphins, Sam Dolphin thing ever. I took a piss at the wrong time and missed my opportunity to be on stage at the NFL draft, calling out a shitty draft pick quarterback out of Kansas State. So there's my personal uh, whatever story for the NFL draft. It was still a great experience. And of course, right after that, we have to go to the airport where we're now standing at the Southwest terminal for an hour repacking 21 bottles of booze because they're like, you can't ship booze like this. So they gave us all these weird, like bubble casts that we had to sit there and wrap the most embarrassing thing in my life. I'm yelling at my new brother-in-law for him, you know, ordering and delivering all this. And of course he turned around and sold all these bottles of booze already for thousands of dollars. So jokes on me, but uh, what a wonderful experience, man. There's so much going on there. Um, I did talk to Debo Sandal. I was wearing my uh, dolphin shirt, my dolphins hat. Uh, he did turn to me and say, Nice hat. So take it for what it's worth. Not sure what that means. Probably nothing, but uh, thought that was kind of fun to talk to Debo and him go acknowledge the hat, which was a 305 hat, by the way. For all the people upset that you waited through this entire episode to find out what was said between Sam and Debo, just know he did not tell me either. And I just sat through that fucking shit show. Now, the ultimate troll job shit, Sam, is going to be... Um, the the voiceover that we actually put over your entire story because whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas and they just listen to dead air and every once in a while me going huh. yeah uh-huh oh yeah that that'd be great well but yeah dude Sam Vegas in the draft hasn't been too kind to me and you because yep. two years ago prior to COVID me and you were supposed to meet up in Vegas do a, a show and and Tua and in, in Vegas and COVID canceled the entire thing. Now you finally get to go. We don't have any picks in the first two rounds. And then you lose a chance to announce the soon to be non Miami Dolphins, Skylar Thompson. <laughs> like it's just, it, it would have been perfect for you. And here we are. Uh, and your, and your brother-in-law didn't get to do the 49ers pick. So, no, and I, uh, yeah, I felt it was cosmic karma for me yelling out. Fuck you, Matt Franco, two days earlier. And this was like the universe coming back saying, no, we're going to bounce this out. Fuck you, Sam Marcu. Um, one other thing I should point out, though, I ran into Jonathan Bean, literally ran into the guy at Hell's Kitchen um, and I'm wearing my Dolphin stuff and we're talking. He goes, oh, you're a Dolphins fan. Yeah? You're here for the draft. I'm like, well, yeah, you're a fucking genius. Who the hell are you? And he's like, oh, my <laughs> name is Jonathan. Bean. Jonathan Bean. You can look him up. He is the senior vice president and chief diversity officer for the NFL. This guy pulled out a card and was basically escorted into any and all things Vegas. Like he just had the magic button here. 
And I was talking to him and I, I have to say, Chris, he, he talked about Tom Garfinkel and said, wow, that guy is a genius in terms of business. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. He's bringing in so much revenue for the Miami Dolphins stadium because of all the different things that he's putting together, whether it's formula one racing, tennis, all of it. Um, we talk about Mike McDaniel and the guy cannot shut up about how great Mike McDaniel is so creative. You guys are going to love him down there. I've spent so much time with this guy. He's absolutely the right coach for you. Chris Greer. And he's like, yes, Chris Greer. He's definitely employed. And then I talked about Stephen Ross. I go, what do you think of Stephen Ross? And I shit you not, Chris. This I know Stephen Ross is probably going to be screwed as the, as the, the owner of the Miami Dolphins long term. He's praising Mike McDaniel. He's praising Tom Garfinkel. He's acknowledging Chris Greer. And then when it comes to Stephen Ross, Jonathan Bean, Chief Diversity Officer and Senior Vice President of the NFL, turns to me, looks me right in the eye and says, no comment. I need to get back to my wife. And the conversation ended and he went and sat down for dinner. And I was like, that no comment is deafening right now. I think Stephen Ross is not long for this world in terms of the Miami Dolphins owner. I thought you were just predicting his death. I like, could. <laughs> possibly. Uh, yeah, man. Awesome stories. That's why I need to get there. Um, get get to these events. It's just uh, all around football fans. It's what an experience, man. It's got to come back to Vegas. Um, so it sounds like you would you would give it like a 10 out of 10 as far as like just the event goes. And like you said, yeah. there's hotels everywhere. You don't have to worry about parking or any bullshit like that. You just stumble back to your room. I mean, how perfect is that? It, it really was perfect. I mean, in terms of this event, it, it, it was it was a great, great time. I mean, they shut down the strip for three days. You could not drive on the strip. I'm sure Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, and taxi drivers hated it. But it was just a fantastic experience for, for anybody who was there for the NFL. You could walk around. I mean, it had this huge, I mean, just the access to players and coaches. And, you know, they had all the Super Bowl rings out. The Lombardi trophies are out there. I mean, it was just fantastic. If you're, if you're a football fan, it's one of those things I would highly recommend. Again, Next time it comes back to Vegas, I'm there in a heartbeat. Next year it's in Kansas. We'll see if I'm there or not. But uh, just just a wonderful experience. I think the Dolphins did pretty darn well overall. Um, I'm excited about Channing Tindall. I'm excited about the wide receiver out of Texas Tech. I'm excited about the Miami Dolphins. I think there's just going to be so much to look forward to as a, as a Dolphins fan uh, before too long. And this has been a long episode, but it's been a long time since you and I have actually talked about it. I've been speaking quite a bit here, Chris. Anything else you want to talk about in terms of Miami Dolphins, news, views, anything? Um, two playing golf on a game day isn't a big deal. Such fuck off. <laughs> Especially if it was a Thursday night where you probably played in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. So also, also it is okay for the Miami dolphins to have Connor Williams take a few snaps at center. Just calm down. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not that big of a deal. Okay. He slid over one position and, and put the ball between his legs. No big deal. Don't worry about it. It's Miami dolphins off season. They're going to complain about something, Sam. And it's, I'm, I can't wait to listen to this episode. So can't cannot yeah. wait. I, I think I think we may have just stumbled into the next great segment for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, welcome to Perfect Podcast, the No Big Deal segment. We're just going to temper your enthusiasm a little bit about some of the issues that are going on for the Miami Dolphins. Well, with that being said, Chris, it, the draft was a big deal. The Miami Dolphins are a big deal. You're a big deal. I'm a big deal. The Believe Podcast Network, or the Believe Network, as they call themselves now, is a big deal. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here on this big deal episode? I'm good, buddy. As am I. So on behalf of Chris Gullen, Sam Marku, the entire Believe Network, the only thing left to say is goodbye from Perfectville. Later.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.